You're listening to ForwardConf, an event inspired to keep you moving forward. The location-independent lifestyle has evolved tremendously over the last decade, and with more and more people entering into that world, it's changing even more rapidly now. Our featured guest today has lived this life continuously for many years, likely more than anyone you know. Wojtek, welcome to ForwardConf. Hey, thanks for having me. So I've assembled today a, a round table of people that I think sort of fills the spectrum of experience when it comes to this, this location-independent lifestyle. So I'm joined again by Mr. Josh Johnston, a man who achieved the impossible, really, living location-independent for a year and a half with his wife and two kids. Welcome, Josh. Hey, hey. Also, Mr. David Roberts, who is uh, staring at Josh, wondering how that was even possible. Welcome, Mr. Roberts. Hey, good to be here. And new to the table, Mr. Thomas DeMore, who's lived location-independent for very long periods of time in countries like China, for example. Welcome, Thomas. Happy to be here. And by the way, I'm, I'm fully expecting all of your awesome accents to help make me sound smart today. So thank you <laughs> for being here. So Wojtek, how many years have you been living the location-independent life? Well, let's see. So technically, I've started working remotely when I was 14. However, I went through three different stages. So at the beginning, I spent a few years, I think about uh, four uh, years, um, living in a small town where I'm from and just working remotely, um, finding clients online. Uh, that was the first stage. The second stage was... Um, when I moved to Krakow, Poland, and where I, um, I started managing a local office and uh, a team and also um, traveling more frequently to our clients in the States. So that was the second stage. And then around 2015, I've eventually moved out of Krakow. I, uh, I, bought, I bought one way tickets and I started traveling and I've been doing it for um, about five years, with the exception of this virus right now, which made me get back to Poland. So five years continuous? Yes. By the way, you've, you've made it sound like a cancer you get. There's, there's multiple stages. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're on stage three, location independent. <laughs> no, it's actually the other way around. It gets better and better. Oh, go. Oh, it's, it's, a, it's a good kind of cancer. <laughs> No, like over, over the years, I've started like um, appreciating the freedom more and more. And I've learned a lot through spending a lot of time in very different places. Uh, I've lived both in uh, large metropolitan areas as well as on islands and everywhere in between. Yeah, that's, that's so cool. Um, and I know there's people listening who... You sometimes see them in Slack and they say, you know, that's not really the life for me. I really need my second monitor. It, it always comes back to the second monitor. But what is it that has kept you going? What is sort of that burning fuel in your heart that, that keeps you in this lifestyle for five continuous years now? Well, all of us know that one of the biggest problems in our industry and in the life of a developer is struggling with uh, being burnt out. And obviously, uh, you know, uh, working as a developer for, for 
uh, for many years, sooner or later you'll start noticing that. So in my case, it started as firstly kind of um, realizing that uh, changing the environment, uh, changing the place where I'm at really makes me more productive. Uh, I just, you know, I just feel more inspired to do my work. Um, so that was the first reason. And the second reason was just the fact that I, I, I was just, I felt as if I was in this comfort zone. Of course, it, it's already a cliche by now, but it's really true. Like uh, once you, once you, you know, realize that uh, moving somewhere else pushes you, you know, tr makes you um, fight with your boundaries and like seeing what you're capable of. Um, and you you will see it only after you actually move out. I I've been traveling for for many years before I, you know, like I I actually left everything behind in Krakow. But it's really such a different feeling when you you know uh, after you sell some of your bigger stuff, leave everything behind and kind of like don't look back at all. So only doing that uh, helped me feeling this real freedom. When you left Krakow in 2015, you say you left it all behind. How? What's the... How... Didn't you have certain things that you thought, okay, well, uh, th that's tough to leave behind. In particular, I'm thinking of family, you know, obviously, because of material things you can leave behind. But how, how did you mention it to your family and how did you make that decision? Yeah, good question. My family has have always been very supportive of me. So um, they've always kind of like, at first they were really um, frightened, especially at the beginning. I started traveling when I was 18 and I, and I went to the States uh, by myself for the first time. And, uh, and uh, around that time I started uh, going abroad more and more often. But you know, you can argue that uh, with tools like Zoom for video conferencing and, and, and uh, you know, this ease of online communication is easier. You know, sometimes I feel that I, I even, I communicate even more frequently with my family uh, than some of my friends who live very close from, from their families and they don't do that. So it's not a problem in my eyes. Yeah, I think it's good that we're talking about the, the positives because there are a lot of them that, that get ignored so i'm curious for everyone here how has the location independent life sort of helped you grow well i certainly have learned so much about myself and i like you know when people ask me you know what's the biggest thing i learned from traveling i can i always answer that every like so many countries i went to i've been starting living so many different lives i've been i've been kind of starting from scratch and you know you're you're throwing yourself uh in you know into new communities you're meeting so many new people um um and this itself makes you you know understand like what what really drives you um who, like you know what motivates you um and so that's one thing. And, and the second thing that in general, I really think that people, most people don't even realize how much their close circle of friends influence them. 
So as soon as you realize that if you surround yourself with, with people more consciously, it really affects your daily activities, your, uh, your growth, and so many different things. I love that point about surrounding yourself with the right people, because that's, that's one of the biggest criticisms all of remote work gets, not just the location independent life, but that, oh, you're so isolated and you never get to see people anymore because you're not in an office. You get to choose your people. And that's the coolest thing about it. Like, you, when I went to Taiwan, it was a completely different feeling of, of energy around you from the people you get there than you get in, say, Germany or somewhere else. So I love that aspect that you get to shape your life based on the people you surround yourself with and you really get full control of that. Exactly, I agree. And you don't have to. You don't have to socialize all the time if you don't want to. And that's the best thing. You get to peak, you know. And I get that, you know. There are days where I really want to kind of like, uh, you know, hustle, work hard on whatever I, I need to. And there are other days where I want to meet new people. And, you know, I, I've, I've learned about like many different ways how can you like maximize meeting, meeting interesting people. So what I do is I, I either... So I often, obviously the easiest is just signing up to a co-working space. And there, if you, you know, if you, if you just sign up for a hot desk every day, you're kind of forced to talk to new people all the time, you know. Then uh, at those co-working spaces, most often every day there's like a new event going on. So you don't need to even go anywhere. You just sit there and you get to, you know, be there and meet all those people. So that's one one way. And then of course, it's always good to get out of like your like tech circle. So I do other things like I use websites such as uh, meetup.com uh, to find out about other events, like let's say like uh, even language exchanges. So, you know, I go there and I meet like local people doing like, you know, various things from all paths of lives. And this really benefits me. Isn't it, isn't it then hard to then also leave those people again? Because that's what I have now. I have a scattered network of uh, people I know around the world, some of which are fantastic friends, but I haven't seen them for five years. Uh, how, if you continuously travel, how, how do you deal with that? Good question. So I think it depends uh, on the people that you meet. That you meet. If, if, you know, if you meet travelers, then of course everyone is used to the fact that you're gonna, you know, uh, part ways. And, and, you know, interestingly enough, very often it makes you be even more honest and go even deeper in conversations, which is a very interesting uh, phenomenon. Um, and then uh, if you meet local people, um, then of course... It's some. It's very often more difficult, um, especially if you live if you live in a given place for a longer time. Especially if you uh, if you decide to to have any relationships there. Of course, it makes things much much uh, more difficult. Um, for me, it's very difficult that uh, I you know through traveling I have so many friends from different places so it's very i always feel super bad when you know uh they 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 know that we have such a strong connection but then i've established such a strong connection with a 
large amount of people in all those various places. So it's difficult for me to kind of like maintain that. But at the same time, it's awesome because, you know, I very often like go back to specific places and then I get to reconnect with them. I feel like there's there's two people you meet out out in the world uh, in this lifestyle. There's guy who wants to just flex about all the countries he's been to. <laughs> and then there's guy who realizes he's tired of talking to that guy and just wants to get into a deep conversation. And so when you do find that, that second guy or, or people, uh, some really fascinating, enlightening conversations can happen. Have you noticed that as well? Definitely. And, you know, that's the thing about small talk. I love, like, you know, starting small talk with every random person, you know, even on the street. And and it, you don't even know what, you know, what they're going to what they're gonna get from those conversations. Like some of the most interesting conversations have only lasted for like five minutes. Um, talking to my Uber driver, you know, you never know. Or, you know, or, or random like uh, cleaning people. Um, doesn't really matter. Like any, any random people can give you amazing value. And of course it's, it's mutual, right? You get to you can try to inspire them as well, you know? And that's a, that's the thing. I think I think we are super, super... Um, we were in an amazing place. We were in an amazing position because, like, we, we get to see all those perspectives. We get to see how those different people live in those different places. And, and we, ha we can compare those different lifestyles. And, you know... Um, if we could help people living in those lifestyles who are less fortunate, that's awesome. And I think very often it's all about just inspiring them. At least, least the least you can do is inspire them. Um, and and it's amazing if you if you you know manage to connect them or even like try to help them. Uh, maybe by uh, you know suggesting some new, uh, you know, new area uh, on which they could focus. Um, yeah, there's a lot of possibilities. So Thomas, how, how do you feel like you've grown from living in different countries for much longer periods of time, years at a time? It's a similar explanation to what Foytek said. For me, it really began when I did an Erasmus in Milan in 2011, so almost a decade ago. I was set to just live a normal life and in Belgium, but then I realized, wow, all these people, um, or it's possible to actually see so much of the world and see how people live. And that's, that's what you pick up because I've lived in places for, um, prolonged periods of time, I, always more than, uh, one month, sometimes half a year, sometimes years. What you tend to pick up is the, the culture, um, more than the individuals. You really get to know the, the culture of a country. Uh, for example, here where I live right now, Georgia, it's very much oriented towards the evening and not the mornings. People, ate, nothing is open at 8 a.m., which is frustrating for me because I used to wake up very early. So you, you, when you live somewhere, you really start to pick up on people's habits and how they live, things like when I just travel somewhere for a couple of days, things that you miss, things that you don't get. Um, and you kind of, it makes you a more flexible person because you see how two things, one, everyone is 
a person. Everyone is the same deep down. Everyone is, is, is human. Everyone has to eat and do all these things. But two, people live in very different ways, live very different lives in uh, different countries. And when you can ad adopt to those cultures and live in those countries, um, you can kind of go anywhere and be fine. You know, you can be thrown in any situation. It just makes you much more flexible. And I suppose that's what, what Wojtek, I mean, if you travel continuously, it's the same thing. You pick up so many skills. Travel in general, I think, just makes you a much more flexible person mentally um, to deal with all of the situations that life throws at you. Do you feel like you've seen your, your own home country through different eyes now, having lived elsewhere? You know, are there things that you appreciate differently about it now? That's a good question. Um, I actually uh, went back to Belgium last year for the first time in, a, in almost a decade. And I went back with my girlfriend. I actually moved back in with my parents for a while. And it was through her eyes that I saw Belgium in a different light. Um, because she was amazed. She, she, my little rural hometown that I think is horribly boring, she was thought it was fantastic and you know you have all the fields and you could do all the walking and the butcher was so nice and you have all this bread that you can choose from I was like this is so normal for me so it wasn't really me going back I mean theoretically I could understand okay Belgium good healthcare and everything but it was through her eyes through the eyes of a stranger that I could really see that you know uh, see Belgium in a different light that's cool for me, it was the opposite effect, <laughs> being American. <laughs> you know, there's, there's something about walking the peaceful streets of Portugal while there's several mass shootings happening back uh, in your country. So definitely a different perspective, right? But yeah, I think Wojtek, you put it really well. This idea of you get to live multiple different lives and you can take something positive from each of those and it sort of shapes you, right? Definitely, you know, and, and, you know, I, every time I'm amazed by how do, how, how different cultures, um, differ from each other. Um, like again, um, you know, you mentioned Portugal and, and, you know, in, in countries like Portugal and Spain, uh, you know, people, people live super, uh, socially they they go out in the evenings they have this siesta you know they they dine out uh, on streets there's so many you know common areas between buildings and you know it's super different from places like um uh well even um saudi Asia or um yeah where people are like much close from each other they 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 respect their space they kind of like um keep um more to themselves so so yeah it, it, it differs a lot and it's not only about the culture um and the attitude to each other but it it's also about uh you know where do you live so so you know i, I think when people think about the opportunities that uh, working remotely gives you first thing that comes to my to, to, that comes to their minds is just being able to go to a beach and, and work at the beach. I think it's such a cliche as well. You know, um, you know, myself coming from a, a smaller town, my hometown is like, I think 20,000 20, people. I, I, I took this opportunity and I've lived a few years between like huge metropolitan areas. Like I spent three months uh, in the center of Hong Kong, 
you know, and, and, and in some other like huge, huge cities like uh, in Bangkok and, and you know, and, and for a couple of weeks in different other bigger cities as well. And, and I loved it. So it gives me this, this you know, this um, perspective. And I think it makes me make my decisions more consciously. And originally, um, it, it comes back to this, it comes back to roots about why do you travel? So in, in my, you know, um, in uh, personally, um, I, one of my favorite books uh, is The End of Belonging. And it's actually um, a book about um, people who, uh, by spending many years abroad, have started losing their um, identities. So it's super interesting. And, and I've realized that, you know, even before I started traveling, um, uh, when I was sitting in Poland, I felt as if, you know, I, I kind of wanted to go out because I felt as if I was thrown in a, in a you know, a random place in the world. So like, why would I, why would I live in this specific single place randomly I, you know, I, I had this feeling that the only way to fulfill yourself, uh, to, to feel happy, is to consciously make as many decisions as you can. So the, originally, this is what pushed me to start traveling uh, more frequently. And I did it in a, you know, I did it in a hope of finding this one perfect spot, this one perfect place where I could move to. And I've been doing it for a while, you know, and I had, I had a couple of places where I always thought that they're gonna be perfect for me you know uh places like you know uh portugal um taiwan you know uh thailand colombia you know so many different countries and i and i went to those places and you know they felt great but they kind of made me feel a bit empty because i knew that okay so i went i went to all those amazing places where i always thought that okay this is gonna be a place and i saw them and i and i thought hmm is it really the place where I want to spend the rest, you know, rest of my life? Um, and, you know, after spending more time in those places, I started noticing small little things that are not perfect. Like, even with Taiwan, I started noticing, you know, the dependency on China and, you know, all those different things like that. So, you know, this, this, this pushed me towards kind of spending more time on... Again, we, we talked about uh, discovering yourself and understanding yourself better, being more self-conscious. Um, I, I, you know, last year I, I spent a month in Bali and, and there I went to a couple of workshops um, about, um, yeah, like finding out what really makes you happy. And I, you know, and I've realized that by working on yourself, you get to create your perfect space uh, you know, wherever you are. And, and it made me so much, so much happier. So I really want to get into this, Josh. Uh, like I mentioned at the beginning, you did the impossible, which is you lived location independent for, I believe it was a year and a half. It kind of split up a bit, but a year straight at least, right? Yeah, so we, we did a year and then, uh, and then we were back for a little while and then we went for another uh, four months. And you yeah. did this with your wife and two kids. I mean, we were talking about growth earlier. What kind of growth comes out of that for you, for your wife, for your kids? There's got to be just so much going on. Yeah, it was just a, a fantastic time. 
you know, um, the, the amount of time that we spent as a family, um, you know, experiencing things together and, and just kind of, you know, finding new places together and, and those, those memories that we now look back on and say, you know, remember when we were in this place and, and, you know, doing these things and meeting these people, um, it's, it's really created a lot of, a lot of shared memories that, you know, that we have with our kids, that, that our daughters have with each other. And, you know, it's, it's kind of a daunting thing, I think, for a child to pack bags and, and move to a completely new place. But, um, but, you know, they did that together and, and they were kind of forced to, you know, they were their only friends in a lot of places, not everywhere, but, um, for a lot of the time, they just had to learn to be each other's best friends, you know, and so they, they kind of bonded a lot during that time as well. Yeah. We, I mean, we, similar to what's already been said, we have made kind of friends over the years who are now scattered throughout the world and, and family members as well. So, um, we, part of the reason for doing this was that there were people, um, in X team that we wanted to meet. Um, but there are also old friends and, and family that we really wanted to see again. And we thought, you know, how can we do this? Um, because it's not going to, it's not something that we can do in a short amount of time. Um, and at, at first we were thinking, well, we could go for three months. Um, but then adding up the, the costs of that, we thought, no, we, we can't afford to do that. Um, but then the realization came, well, if we actually went for longer, we could rent out our house for a year and, and that would actually make it achievable. So ironically, uh, you know, going for longer is what made it achievable for us. You mentioned the, your, your daughters kind of became best friends in the other equation, you and your wife going through this together. And for anyone with their partner that wants to do this, I experienced the same thing where my wife and I, you're kind of going through a masterclass of marriage by doing this because you're constantly being tested on patience and frustration and balancing the two. And so you inevitably, I think a lot of people are afraid of doing it because they'll be, they'll go crazy being that close to their partner for that long. But you really, like you said, you, you're forced to become best friends and, and work through everything because mm. there's, there's no other, a lot of times those Airbnbs are just a studio or one room there, there's no going to the other room kind of thing you work things out yeah you're right you um you're thrown into that situation and um you know normally when you're when you're in your home place you know each person has their own things you know the, the kids are off at school in different different classes and and you and, and your partner are, are, have your own things that you're focusing on um but yeah when, when you're traveling it's kind of like everyone has the same thing for a lot of part. Uh, you know, I was working for, for most of the time, but and so I still kind of had that thing, but um, it wasn't distanced from what everyone else was doing. It was, you know, it was still something that we worked out together, you know, when that's gonna happen and how it's gonna happen, how we can make it all work uh, as a family rather than just as four individuals. And I, I really loved going through that experience. I think we, you know, we grew a lot during that time. How, how did you tell them we're going to go away for a year? Uh, 
think we just said it and they were like, yeah, awesome. <laughs> they, they're, they're pretty adventurous kids and, and so they didn't take any convincing. They, um, yeah, they loved the, the idea of it. Um, yeah, and, you know, we started looking at some photos of the places that we were going to go and, and um, telling them about some of the people that we were going to visit. And uh, it was just a really exciting time for them. I mean, they both love um, flying. You know, it's not everybody likes it, but for, for some people, it's, it's something that they get really excited about. So, um, you know, the, the, the kids, they kind of made a game out of that. And they, they were always talking about when there was a flight coming up, they're always like, oh yeah, and you know, what movies are going to watch? And you know, I wonder what meals are going to come. And it's very, you know, just enjoying all the little experiences. And yeah, I, I think um, that helped them just to kind of um, have little things to look forward to at each stage. David, what would be your biggest fear to do what Josh did? Take the whole family, take the daughter, pack up tomorrow. Well, maybe not, maybe not tomorrow. Let's say uh, next year. <laughs> um, so we, we were we were talking about uh, going this year only for maybe three months uh, to Europe, and uh, of course those plans are cancelled now. Um, but um, there is, uh, especially with I have very young children. I've got a. Um, a three-year-old and a two-year-old um so um when we when we go to to europe uh, and spend any amount of time there is a support network around you when you are in a fixed place there's there's clubs classes all those sorts of things that children go to and have routines and things like that and not having those around and taking time to find those that would be the biggest problem for moving continuously because you're continually putting pressure on um, my wife to, to find that support network. I can just open a laptop and just start working immediately. My life's great. Uh, but uh, for her, it's, it's a very different kettle of fish. And going back to the, um, if you travel, you learn patience. You wait till you have kids, then you learn patience. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's stage two, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a different kind of illness. <laughs> so yeah, Josh, how do you, or how did you guys fill in the gap of the, of the support network, the local support network? I need to constantly change that. Yeah, well, I mean, Anna did, uh, took the, the, the heaviest weight of, of that. You know, she's, she's just an excellent planner and, and always, um, you know, figuring things out in advance. I, uh, you know, I stand in awe because I kind of find it harder to do that and just, you know, figure things out as they arrive. <laughs> but um, yeah, she, so she she did a whole lot of uh, research ahead of time, um, and uh, we because we were homeschooling the kids during that time, so she she kind of took the lead on that and and had a lot of great uh, material that didn't take up much space in the suitcases. And, and just things to work through. Um, yeah, and also just staying in touch with, with family, you know, grandparents, getting on FaceTime with the kids and um, yeah, finding finding the support networks is, is a huge thing though, like you said, David. Um, so it, it is just, uh, you know, being creative and, and flexible in each new place. You know, in some places we had family that we were staying with or friends that we were staying with and, you know, often there were other kids around. So that 
that made a huge difference if there were other kids of similar ages. Um, you know, and we had some really great times, you know, and, and friendships made that, that we hope will continue for our daughters. Um, so yeah, each, each new place sort of brought a, a different, a different situation and a different challenge, but also a lot of, a lot of new things to enjoy. Is the routine and the stability, David, you were just talking about how important routine and stability is, especially if you have a family. Uh, this is really for anyone. Is, is there anything going on now that you've seen out there with this lifestyle that's helping to make the stability and the routine more doable, more possible? Or is that just always going to be just this, this big thing you have to figure out? Great question. And uh, myself, I've realized that actually the, the only way to stay sane if you travel frequently um, is actually creating those routines. So over time, I started doing more and more things repeatedly and, and starting to create those habits or replace bad habits with good ones um, is, you know, things like doing uh, daily meditation sessions, uh, working out at home instead of going to gyms because most most often it's quite difficult to sign up to gyms for, you know, uh, two weeks or a month. Usually they want to, you know, keep you at least for a year. Um, or yeah, finding, finding, you know, accommodation uh, close from uh, co-working spaces. And thankfully now we have more and more various tools that help you with that. For instance, uh, you can always go to websites such as uh, you know, the nomad list to, to see the map uh, and and where most uh, co-working spaces are located or you can go to websites as, such as uh, hood maps to see, uh, you know, to see what are the different districts in a, in a given city and who lives in those districts, is the touristic district, is the business district and so on, which helps you a lot. Um, so, you know, trying to figure this out in advance can save you a lot of time once you arrive in your destination. For me, I'm trying to um, get away from routine in my own personal life, even though the family requires it. And I've found um, with the moment we're in now with coronavirus, um, you know, you're locked down and you can't go anywhere. Or you know, when I, we had young children uh, and you say, OK, maybe we'll go traveling in next year or the year after. So rather than loathing my life and waiting, uh, you start trying to find new ways to, to enjoy what you've got and enjoy what you're doing. And with that, I, I want to get away from the routine. I realized once I didn't have to be in a specific location to do my job, I didn't have to work at a particular time because my day split across different time zones. I realized the prison I was working in, I was creating for myself. Um, I, I worked nine to five because that's the way I always had. And then as soon as I started to move away from that and do, um, I like to go for a run now at nine o'clock or about quarter to nine on a Monday morning so I can run past all the people driving to work. <laughs> I just, it gives me an immediate sense of freedom. And and then I come back and, you know, we put a pot of coffee on and uh, it, it's, it's breaking all of those patterns that I once had before so that I can realize that 
it's not just a nine to five job. I don't have to do that. It, I'm doing that to myself. I think I kind of have a combination of what Wojtek and, and David said in the sense that um, on the one hand, there are fundamentals that I always incorporate wherever I am, and that's working out, meditating, and getting enough sleep, and also making sure that I eat well. So those are the fundamentals for me, and I repeat those regardless of where I am or what time of day it is. Um, but on the other hand, I also found it important not to have too rigid a routine. Often, uh, I at least tended to associate routine with productivity and having to do stuff and you know you want to move forward on your goals etc and that in itself even if the activity is pleasant like playing the piano um, can be exhausting so I, I like to cut myself a little slack and I've only learned this the last few years um, I try to make sure that I don't overload myself with stuff I want to do like don't have a routine from the beginning of the day until I go to bed if I have a routine for certain parts of the day where I want to be productive, that works. But um, I also leave, you know, hours open where I can do whatever I want, you know, and, and, and that's kind of helped me mentally uh, navigate the waters. Those three responses are, are exactly what I love about, you know, remote work tips and location independent lifestyle. There is no right way to go about it. There's just sort of whatever works for you. Yeah, I love that that whole idea of, you know, your routine should not be something that, you know, that you're trapped in. But if you can structure a routine such that it helps you to enjoy the things that you do, um, that's that's a, a beautiful thing. You know, uh, like rhythms are, are great in life. Like that's it's part of life, living to a rhythm. Um, but nobody likes to be forced into it. You know, but but they actually can be structures that that bring out um, the enjoyment in the things that we have to do and, and also the things that we want to do. Yeah, I think it's definitely the the routines that people inflict upon you are the ones you don't like. The ones you choose for yourself are very different. Mm. So, Wojtek, you've you've done this lifestyle and you've you've done it single. Now you're doing it with with a partner. I think the I, I've done it as a single person as well, and I think it was there, there's a lot of obviously isolation and, and that sort of feeling of, of being so alone. Um, but there was also kind of a, a powerful self awareness that came from it that I'm really grateful for. And and have you realized that same sort of self awareness over the years that it's that that being alone out there has allowed you to sort of completely shape yourself? Definitely, and. Let me take this further and tell you that I actually consciously um, have been traveling my trips so that uh, specific legs of my journeys were open-ended so that um, it was possible for me to, to be very spontaneous and, and, and being able to change my plans. I did that many times. And, you know, there were times where I would, uh, I would uh, start a relationship which would... And eventually make me, uh, you know, move move to a given place and, and stay there longer. And, you know, so that's definitely been affecting my plans in the past. And also, you know, for people who are single and for people who are single and, and want to start traveling, I think actually dating people in, in different countries make you, you know, make you firstly learn so much more about yourself, obviously. But, but because the, the other person is usually 
very, very different from yourself. But secondly, also, this will make you learn things about the given country, which you would never learn otherwise. And especially in a place where, you know, um, people like most people don't speak uh, your language, don't speak English or, or Spanish. Uh, so that's been a very interesting experience for me. Yeah, COVID-19 obviously is having massive impacts on this entire location independent community. Have you heard from any co-working spaces yet? They're already, from what I hear, very unprofitable or not barely profitable businesses. Is this something that could shut them down? Uh, yes. So I, I follow a couple of um, co-working spaces. I think I, I, I saw this this post from uh, from the biggest one in Bali, uh, Dojo, uh, that they also run a co-living space and they're trying to convince people to kind of like uh, uh, rent ro rooms like even longer term than usually. So they're trying to um, to find a solution. But sadly, as you said, uh, many of those co-working spaces operate in a very, very small margin. So I expect uh, if if local governments won't be helping them out by, by you know, lifting uh, rents and things like that, sadly, I think it's going to affect the co-working space market. If you think about WeWork, you had the whole debacle with their IPO and then the Adam Newman leaving and everything. Uh, now they still got to pay the rent, but no one's going to co-working spaces anymore. So I can't imagine WeWork was already in so much trouble. Now you've got coronavirus, unless the government bails that company out, I think they're probably going to be done. Unless they get another couple billion to invest in, uh, from an investor. Do you think COVID-19, obviously it's going to have this impact on co-working spaces. Do you think it will also kind of help weed out a lot of these uh, digital nomads who, uh, you know, kind of have that negative reputation as not really being in it seriously, maybe just drop shippers around the world. You know, is this going to kind of help weed them out? Will we still see them two years from now? Or are they going to be kind of scared off by all this? In my opinion, if anything, it's going to affect all those different businesses that have started trying to profit off of digital nomads. So, and you can notice that when you go to places such as uh, you know some some more of the some, some up and coming places in Bali like like uh, Changu or or places like uh, Chang, Chang uh, Mai in Thailand or um, or some some other nomad hubs like you know Las Palmas or some districts in in Medellin. There's many of them, and and you will notice that there's such an influx of foreign capital coming in. And, and creating those like, you know, trendy hipster coffee shops, uh, Western style restaurants playing only, you know, uh, jazz covers of Western music, Western pop. So it's, you know, it's crazy that the scale of those businesses coming in is just, it's just ridiculous, you know, it's just obnoxious. And I think if anything, um, you know, I'm sure it's gonna affect those businesses. But I don't think it's actually a bad thing. I don't think it's a good trend that we're seeing so many. We're seeing this trend of like Western brands coming to remote places in, you know, places like Northern Thailand. You mentioned there's a lot of different kind of co-working spaces now. We're seeing co-working spaces, co-living spaces, which is kind of more like a hostel. 
I saw a new one coming out now that's like you can go to an apartment and just work with people there during the day, kind of a smaller co-working version. Is there going to be maybe a new model that spawns out of whatever this year ahead looks like? In my opinion, you know, with 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 the COVID-19, I I am so amazed about the fact that so many traditional companies have started working remotely. So obviously you can see that, you know, the, the remote working trend is um, going mainstream. And I think that I'm hoping that uh, co-working spaces will start, uh, you know, getting more and more popular because, you know, there's nothing wrong with, with healthy competition. And I think also you, you asked us about uh, some of the negative connotations uh, behind uh, digital nomads. And I'm hoping that people will start to kind of understand people who travel and work remotely better because I'm hoping that it's no longer going to be just people who are, you know, programmers, you know, people coming from, you know, Silicon Valley kind of like um, trying to, you know, hop on the latest trends. But actually we're going to see more traditional jobs like, you know, um, language teachers, um, you know, uh, kindergarten students, um, graphic designers, copywriters. There's so many different jobs that you can do uh, remotely. And I'm hoping that those people will start traveling more frequently. I love the optimistic ending. Thank you all for coming on ForwardConf. Thanks, it was a pleasure. This roundtable is not done yet, and you can join it. Jump into the ForwardConf channel on Slack, and you'll find some of the talking points from this episode that we're discussing further in depth together. There's a bounty reward for participating, so go join in, dive into this world with us more. And while you're in the ForwardConf channel, check out the pinned post there to learn more about the giveaways, new vault items, and all the events going on this week. Until next time, may the X be with you.